0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for uh, November 25th, Thanksgiving Eve, 1228 p.m. Eastern Time as we record this. Because in this age, you have to say such things, because if we talk about Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and then the game gets postponed, you can understand why this would be out of date. We welcome in Danny Flecka back to the show. Good afternoon, Danny.
1: How's it going?
0: I am... I am well. Um, as we sit here right now, um, and, and, and we knew that college football and the NFL would be an interesting world in 2020. Did you expect it to go the way that it's gone with college having all these starts and stops and teams that have played all these different games and the NFL managing to really trudge on so far and being able to make up everything, although it's going to be harder from now on with no bye weeks left. Yeah, I think the NFL has
1: done about a good of a job as the, the Kent. Um, you know, obviously in the NFL, your situation outside of football is a little bit different. You have the ability to, to isolate on your own. You know, you, you're, you're making money. You can have your own place. You know, maybe the only people you're interacting with are your family um, and colleagues. been... You know, it's so different, right, with the kids living with each other, going to classes if they're going to classes, going out, even in the common areas, whatever it might be, so their ability to to isolate is a little bit more difficult. Um, And I think what I've been surprised with on the college side is how far in the week we get until they pull the plug, and then some programs that are unfortunately left without that opportunity to make it up. So and I, I think that's been the most difficult part on the college side of things. But, you know, look at what happened to some in Florida State the other day. They canceled it the day off. Um, you know, there was a couple of cancellations that came through today. So I just think it's been one of those situations where some conferences have built in that ability to, to reach the thresholds that they wanted to as far as games are played. The Big Ten, on the other hand, at 12 aren't so lucky, but, you know, we've highlighted on this show numerous times that's their own doing. Um, and I don't really know what else these programs, or these conferences could have done. You know, maybe you know, in hindsight, you know, looking back, maybe it would have been uh, a better thing to have maybe given teams weeks off. You know, every single week of the schedule. That way, if there was a cancellation, there was another team that potentially was ready to jump in and take that spot in conference. But you know, who knows? Um, you know, it's one of those things that we only deal with
0: the situations that are are, are taking place as they're happening and unfortunately everything's in real time yeah it really is happening in uh, real time Um, you look at this weekend and what a moment it's going to be on uh, tomorrow Thanksgiving for Alex Smith and his family um, to be able to start on Thanksgiving against Dallas when he almost lost his life in that gruesome injury several years ago Um, From an X's and O's perspective, have you liked what you've seen from Alex Smith so far in this comeback since he's gotten the opportunity to start?
1: Yeah, and I've only watched some brief moments of him. I saw him obviously in the Giants team, and it looked great in that game. Uh, But, you know, I think Alex Smith has done what Alex Smith has done his entire career. He's a safe quarterback in a sense he's not going to make mistakes. He's not going to throw into double coverages. He's going to get his offensive playmakers in the right spot. He likes to check down. He, he's just a methodical quarterback, and, and that's the way he's been for the last 10 years. And it's a shame that he missed out on some time, you know, because I think he was a, a valuable piece any organization that had him. Um, we saw what Washington was before he went down with that injury, what he's been able to do. And I think, if anything, what he does is just bring stability to that position for that team. You know, obviously there's some more limitations with him as he's gotten older, especially now with the injury. you know, he can't uh give his dislikes as much, um, and he's kind of a sitting duck back there if the supplies does protect well. But you, you know, I'm not I'm surprised in how quickly he's been able to kind of get back on track. But, you know, this is what Alex Smith has done. It's that line there, and what we've expected from him for the last 10 years. It's good to see him be able to play at
0: that level again. Especially with no preseason, which meant that he didn't have the reps that he would normally have gotten to be able to take that first hit and see how it felt and proceed from there. So it really has been Im- Im- impressive to get back into the flow, which brings me to this. Um, I think that for a lot of us, we don't know who the best team in this division is in the in the NFC East. We're going to see two of them tomorrow in the football team and the Cowboys. Um, I don't know where this division goes. This could be for the division. I still think the Giants are probably the best team in this division. But Danny, I honestly have no idea how this is going to play out and or who the best team is.
1: Yeah, and we've spoken briefly about this. I think it took Cali, you know, from the beginning of the season, to like the best football, even though their record is 3 7 has been the Giants. But their record is what it is, and they have the public remaining schedule still having to play you know, Seattle, Baltimore, Dallas, um, you know, it's left on their schedule, and Arizona on top of that. I think the team with the advantage. It has to be, you know, the other teams have the advantage because they they have more division games left than the Giants do. And that right there gives them an easier path to get to the division crown. But, you know, tomorrow is going to be a huge game. Obviously, both um, these teams need to win this game. I, I I don't know who the best team is going to be. I, I've always thought it was Philadelphia. I always expected them to come back but the way, with, the way Carson Wentz is playing has just been awful. So I don't know if Philadelphia has enough confidence in themselves to get over that hump, and hope they have a tough matchup against Seattle on Monday night. Uh, I think Washington and Dallas right now are in full position. The Giants can steal some wins, but maybe they'll be there. But I, I think Dallas and Washington are just in a better spot from a scheduling standpoint than, than the other two teams are.
0: We're talking to Danny Flecker here on Teeing It Up. Um... If you had to take a guess right now uh, because right now Philly, who is in that um, who is in that uh, spot, would be facing Seattle. I mean that that's got to be a gigantic line hypothetically if, if, if that's who they wind up playing and that's how this plays out. What's your sense just in general? Is this going to be like a walkover-type win for whoever has to play somebody out of this division, having seen them so much, uh, these teams, with your Giants?
1: I, I think whoever plays in the playoffs, you know, those games are never going to be a walk walkover-type game. You know, When you're a team that's coming from the NFC, East, given the way their seasons have gone, you're playing without money. You have nothing to lose. No one wants you there. No one expects you to be there you're just lucky to have that opportunity to play. And we've seen crazier things happen in the NFL. Everyone thanked the Seahawks back in 2011 when they beat the Saints at home. Um, They were 7-9. I I think, if anything, you might be, you know, maybe less less inclined to want to play that type of team, to be honest, because maybe you play down to your competition. Maybe you don't have your best game. Maybe you take them too lightly, whatever it might be. but, but there's no guarantee that just because you play it and it's the EC, you're going to make the playoffs. And then obviously we'll have conversations like, should they even be in the playoffs? Do you have a 500 record? Blah, blah, blah. You know what? I say at the beginning of the year, you know, there's a reason why they do it this way. They've been doing it for a number of years. Every once in a while, you get these wacky years where the schedules and the records don't line up. But it, it is what it is, right? You can make the playoffs. You have to make sure that you come in at 100% regardless of who you're playing. So we'll see what happens, you know, five weeks down the road. But, yeah, I think anybody playing from the NFC East in the playoffs, just has to think, You know, we're playing with house money. we, we got to go out there and play our best football, and
0: we'll see what happens. Danny Fleck is with us on uh, Teeing It Up, uh, previewing the, the the weekend that is in the NFL. Should we just skip over Houston-Detroit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. that came right at the draft position. Um, you know, Detroit had an opportunity to maybe get to 500 last week and, and really lay an egg. But I just don't know what they have left in, that, in their tank. I don't know if they like playing for Patricia. We've had this conversation every year about him, and I just think he's done it at the end of this year. And I just don't know if Detroit really has any, any more motivation to play out this year.
0: So now as we look ahead to, to the other two Thanksgiving Day games, you've got this Cowboy game at the three-point line. The over-under is 46. You would think these teams are going to play it close. Um, the Cowboys got some swagger back last week with the win and smashing watermelons or something. I'm not quite sure what Mike McCarthy was thinking there. But how do you view this game? For me, the way that I view this game, I'm still not sold on, on this Dallas team without Dak and Yes, C.D. Lamb made a great catch, but look, they had to gut that thing out against Minnesota. Minnesota's not a good football team in my mind. Is this three-point line about right, and how do you see this uh, looking forward?
1: Yeah, I think it's about right, to be honest with you. Um, I like Dallas in this game. I liked them last week, too, against Minnesota. I think that Dallas just had too many weapons, and I know... Washington has like the, a good D line and the quote unquote number one pass racing, pass defense the NFL. But I've seen them play a couple of times this year. I think just with, the, with what Dallas has with Zeke and Kitty Lamb and Amara Cooper and Mike Gallup, they still present too many mismatches for that Washington defense to control. I think Dallas is also motivated, especially after what happened last time they played Washington. They laid a complete egg. So, I think Dallas had off. I think Dallas has the motivation today, I mean, tomorrow, to win it. I just, mean, despite, again, we talked about Alex Smith and how well he's playing and what he's done for that team, I still think Washington has the motivation. Um, that maybe play a little bit into
0: this game, and I think Dallas in the offensive side of the ball didn't too many playmakers for Washington to hold back for the entire game. Yeah, I I think that Washington's just too young, uh, and until they get some more big game experience under them, uh, Dallas is, is going to be the. Um, better teaming games like this. I just don't know long-term if Mike McCarthy is the answer. We'll see about that. You know, you look at what's happened with Baltimore, and I'm going to ask you about Lamar here in a second. Um, Four-point line, 45 under-over, also known as over-unders. But for my money, Danny, I just think it's on a short week, and you can't be in your facility, and you can't practice, and the, the... the issues Baltimore has had attempting to play this game uh, because of COVID-19 issues, I just feel as if what what is a rivalry game, what people would think is close, what could be Pittsburgh's biggest test in terms of just pure energy and, and trying to keep this unbeaten season going, I just don't know... Because this is a perfect script for Baltimore to pull off the win, except for the fact that they haven't practiced and it's a short week. I'm not sure if that's a winning combo in my mind.
1: Yeah, and I think Baltimore was going to be in a difficult situation even regardless. They're out there two top defensive linemen. We've seen them struggle the last couple of weeks in stopping the run. I, I just think what scares me, if I'm a Baltimore fan, is how you're you know able to play against explosive offenses. Because they have seen it. You know that if Baltimore doesn't have a lead, they have a really tough time establishing their game plan. Lamar Jackson just—he isn't. He's just not a pure pocket passer. And it's, it's tough to ask him to drop back 35 times a game and complete 60% of his passes. It's just not something he's going to be able to do. Especially given that Baltimore doesn't have the weapons on the outside to allow him to do that. It's just Baltimore, I think, needs a complete reset, and I think it's going to be a tough week for them. You know, they'll have the opportunity after this to get healthy again, have a couple extra days off, and get ready for their game, you know, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. And I can see them going on a little bit of a run there. So if, if you're asking Lamar to throw 35 times a game or come from behind and pass the ball, I just don't think he's able to do that, and I don't think he's going to be able to do that against the Pittsburgh defense. Playing about as good as anybody can be right now, and has had success against him in the past. So, I'm going to ride the hot hand in Pittsburgh, you know, with their offensive weapons, the way Ben is playing, the way their defense is playing, they're at home. It's tough for me to fade them at this point. And until I see Lamar Jackson be able to consistently pass the ball or come from behind, I just can't back him as an underdog. Um.
0: Is Lamar Jackson in a slump, or is this just teams better adjusting?
1: I I think he's in a slump, but I also think, you know, when you look at the way Baltimore approached this season, they didn't really upgrade their wide receiver position. They had some, uh, some parts on the offensive line. They lost, like, their top left tackle this year. They, for some reason, did not want to commit to J.K. Dobbins as their feature back. We saw what he did last week when he finally was able to get 15-plus you know, carries. I think all those reasons have contributed to Baltimore being a little sluggish on offense. That's why I think after this game, they have that opportunity to reset a little bit, get healthy, commit to Dobbins as their feature back, and allow for another explosive playmaker on the field alongside Lamar Jackson but they definitely have to go into this season and look at how they can upgrade their offensive line and how they can upgrade their wide receiver room because, you know, they drafted Marquise Brown last year. He's not getting any targets. They love throwing to the tight end, but they lost one of their other tight ends, so they become a little more one-dimensional and predictable. So I think both 20 just reset a little bit this year and go into the season and look at getting some more skill players that can complement Lamar Jackson on the outside.
0: All right, um, as we look at the Sunday slate, there's two games that obviously stick out. And and now that bye weeks are over in fantasy, and yet we're still in this bizarre world of, you know, if you're playing fantasy, where the heck do you stand? If you're not playing fantasy, then this doesn't impact you. Then there's the betting side of things. And we just don't know up until, you know, game time of of some of these games who's going to be available. Tennessee and, and and Indianapolis is the marquee early game. It's a it's it's a three and a half point line line towards Indianapolis. Um, to me, I think it's going to be stopping the run is the key for Indianapolis. Uh, it, the Colts were the better team when these two teams played a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's a lot of possible fantasy players in this game. How do you see this all shaking out on Sunday?
1: Yeah, I wish I could figure these two teams out, uh, but I, I really can't. You know, from the indie perspective, they've had a three run, three-headed running back room, and lastly, they committed to Jonathan Taylor, who I've been spewing about, you know, internally for them to get the ball to because he's a top draft pick, one of the best college running backs of all time, and you know, they were, for some reason, not able to get him on the field. Again, if I think of a Mindy, I'm committing to my young playmakers. You know, they've been including Michael Pittman a little bit more in their game plan. Uh, Johnson Taylor went off last week. Continue to, to do that. Utilize the skills that you have available because, of, you know, throwing out, you know, Jack Paschal and Naeem Hines, even though he had a good game a couple weeks ago, they're not your top echelon players. So you got to commit to what you have. On the Tennessee side, they've had Close starts the last couple of weeks, and they were able to come back against Baltimore. But their defense really concerns me. You know, they can't get off the field on third down. They don't have a pass rush. And in any game, you want to be able to dial up your pass rush. To this one, you know, Bill Rivers is stuck back there. You want to be able to get pressure in space. They can make mistakes. So I think from a Tennessee side, you want your defense to be able to get off the field on third down. And on offense, you know, keep seeing the ball to Henry and, and, and A.J. Brown. Those are your two best players. they got to get the ball in their hands against, you know, against this defense. And on the Indy side, you know, your defense is pretty strong. I think you can rely on them for most of the game. But on the offensive side, use your offensive line. Use your running game to get in third and, and manual situations. And control the clock, what they did against Tennessee the first time around.
0: Would you like to talk about Jets' Dolphins?
1: I mean, not really. I don't know what the expect <laughs> this game. I-, I don't know if Darnold's playing or how would he would be responding to the event last week. You know, it's a really important game for the Dolphins, to be honest with you. It really is.
0: You know? Yeah, as yes. much as we laugh about the yep. Jets, this is vital.
1: Yeah, you-, you look at the Jets, you know, they're-, they're obviously what they are at this point in the season. So if you're Miami... You know, I think every team moving forward right now needs to think, you know, I don't want to be the team that loses to the Jets, you know, at this point in the season. And this is an important game for Miami. You know, they're 7-3, I think, or 7-4, and four, whatever their record is.
0: 6-4. and four. It's
1: important. Yeah, they got to stay, you know, within shouting distance of the Bills and within the playoff hunt. And we'll see how Tua responds. You know, he's had a couple of good performances, but he's kind of trailed off into the Arizona game a little bit. And we thought that Brian Flores isn't going to stick with him if he's, if he's struggling. So, you know, the Dolphins have got to figure out what they want to do there and, and come into a game plan. And on the other side of the ball, you know, the Jets have nothing to lose. So who knows? You know, this, this game could be, could be anything, you know. And obviously traveling up to New Jersey in, the, in November and December, you never know what you can get weather-wise. But it, it's an interesting game from that perspective. I just don't know what, what the Jets have left to play for.
0: Three quickies. We have Justin Herbert, who went crazy against the Jets last week. Um, They faced Buffalo. I like Buffalo a lot in this game. Sorry, I I like Los Angeles a lot in this game. I think it's a trap game for Buffalo. I think that this is a team that they can look past. 1 p.m., Los Angeles, Thanksgiving weekend. But I just really, really was impressed by what I saw last week from – Herbert and the Charger offense, plus Bellage, the former Jet, in the backfield. Is this a mirage? Is this a complete mirage? Or should fantasy owners keep an eye on Keenan Allen and keep an eye on Herbert and keep an eye on Bellage and whoever else they may need to fill pieces this late in the season?
1: No, you, you ride with those players because they've been proven right now to be effective. Herbert's been so impressive. Every time I watch him play, I'm just like, ah, oh, I wish he came out a year earlier. Um, but he and that offense seem to be clicking. They've been in a lot of games this year. Their records have been deceiving, but this is what the Chargers tend to do. Um, Buffalo played their best defensive game a couple of weeks ago against Seattle. Are they going to be able to replicate that moving forward? I just don't know. They've been kind of um, hamstrung by some injuries there. We know Josh Allen and how he's been playing this year. It's all about consistency for that Buffalo team. And, and I agree. I think the Chargers have enough offensively to keep this game close enough. Um, but you just never, you don't know with the team traveling east what it's going to look like. The only thing I think you can kind of hang your hat on is that the weather's going to be good in Buffalo on Sunday. You don't have to worry about that. It's just, you know, which quarterback will make that back breaking mistake that potentially swings this game. And obviously, you know, both. Josh Allen and Justin Herbert have a penchant for just, you know, going in and around the field. So we'll see. But I do think Herbert and that offense have enough to to keep this team close. And I think it's going to be attractive. I think it's going to be up and down the field the entire game.
0: Second to last question What is your one betting pick for this year? The one game folks out there should gamble on?
1: Oh, that's tough, I think this week is it, it, tough to read just because of the different things going on and, and the different way, you know, you you look at the Raiders team, the way they played last week, and they keep doing that. Um, you look at some other options around the, around the league, and you're like, you know, what, what can I expect this week? You know, one of the games I'm going to highlight this week is going to be the Giants versus the Bengals. It's a six-point line. I don't like betting the Giants' favorites, I just think they have a certain momentum and a certain swag right now about them. Cincinnati, you know, after losing Burrow, they're going to be starting Brendan Allen, who had some decent starts last year against uh, with the Broncos. But I just, I've just been seeing reports about Cincinnati's locker room being a complete other match. I think the Giants understand where they are right now. I think Judge has them focused and dialed in. Jones has been playing well. Hopefully he can ride the momentum a little bit. I just think the Giants defense has been underrated all year. I think they'll have an opportunity here to win this game big.
0: We're going to ditch that last question. uh, Just in in one word, who wins? Um, uh, Who wins? Is it um, Kansas City or is it uh, Tampa? I'm going with
1: Kansas City. I just think after watching them play last week, Um, And watching what the Rams did against the Bucs, uh, I just think that Kansas City understands their game plan. They understand what they need to do. If you want to take away the running game from them, that's fine. I'm sure Patrick Mahomes is okay throwing the ball a times a game. But, you know, what their people said they have on the outside, I just think that they're just too much to handle for that Bucks defense. They, They play well against teams that don't utilize the middle of the field, and we saw what the Rams did against them, they just parked them off in the middle of the field, so York short passing routes, and play action passes, and I can expect to save from Kansas
0: City this week. Uh, Raven Steelers has been postponed until Sunday afternoon.
1: Uh, well, there you go, that, that kind
0: of sucks. <laughs> yep, and that's what I was talking about, just in the course of any conversation, something could, uh, pop up, and, uh... "Quote: This decision was made out of an abundance of caution to ensure the health and safety of players, coaches, and game day personnel, and in consultation with medical experts."
1: Yeah, I just think always, Baltimore just didn't have enough bodies at the end of the day. I think that's what it comes down to. I don't, I don't really buy that whole like health and safety nonsense that spit out. I just don't think Baltimore had enough players and, you know, it doesn't really change my mind on the game, to be honest with you, because a lot
0: of those players aren't going to be available. And now you've got a TV issue involving NBC, which is supposed to air that game, so we've got all kinds of things being thrown around here that now have to be worked out, but that game is postponed. Danny Flecker, thank you, as always, for joining us and teeing it up with Jeremy Schilling. No problem, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Same to you and to yours, and same to everybody else out there.